And now um, we are on lesson four. I know we said we were on lesson four last week. That was lesson three last week, but we're in lesson four of our spring quarter, and the title of the lesson are the seal judgments. It's Revelation chapter six we will be covering. So, Lord, we thank you for this glimpse into the future, into the tribulation period, and we pray that you would help us to understand, and this would be a motivator for us in the church to evangelize the lost, to warn them of what is coming, and to let them know how they can be saved out of it just by simple trust in Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. All right, so the first section, section A, are, is called the first and second seals. Now, before we get started, I just want to say something about the judgments. There's 21 judge, judgments total, and they're chronological. You know, some people say they're all simultaneous. They're not all simultaneous. They're chronological, and they're kind of like a telescope. So you have the the sixth seal judgments, then you'll have the seventh seal judgment, and out of that telescopes the trumpets. Then you'll have the six trumpets, and out of the seventh trumpet telescopes the bulls. So that's how they work. Um, and uh, today we'll be covering, covering the first six seals, and usually between the sixth and the seventh seal and trumpet and bowl, there will be an interlude where the Lord will explain more fully the things that are going on in those times. So we take uh, breaks. There's about five breaks in the chronology in Revelation. But anyway, so the first and second seals are verses 1 through 4 of chapter 6. Anybody want to read that section? Okay, thank you. So, um, can I get somebody to, you know, we have these, the, a parallel passage. Can I have one of those sheets? I gave them all away. A parallel passage to what we're looking at is the Olivet Discourse, chapter 24. So the Olivet Discourse, many people will say that is related to the church. It is not related to the church. In Matthew 24. It is after the church has left the scene. It is the tribulation period. So um, if somebody wants to look up Matthew 24, 4, and 5 and just be our Matthew reader. Yeah, so and while you're doing that, so Chapter 6, verse 1, then, one, then I saw when the Lamb broke one of the seven seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying, as with a voice of thunder, come. So there are several views of the rapture, which state that not all of the tribulation is God's wrath. Okay. And those are all the ones that are not pre-tribulational, because the church is not destined for wrath. It tells us that in 1 Thessalonians 1 through 10. And so they will try to go around this fact. You know, that's the mid-trib view, that's the pre-wrath rapture view, that's the post-trib view. But 
Who is it who is breaking this seal, this first seal? It's the lamb, right? And who is the lamb? Jesus is the lamb. And is the lamb God? Yes, the lamb is God. So that means that this is God's wrath. Yes, God is initiating the seal. And what happens is he breaks the first seal in heaven and something happens on the earth. A judgment happens on the earth. So Jesus is the initiator of the wrath. Now, um, 24, 4, and 5. What does Matthew 24, 4, and 5 say? Yeah. So that's the first seal. The first seal is a false Christ. And in verse 2, so that's from Matthew 24, and I guess it was just verse 4. Verse 2, it says, I looked, John is looking, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. So there are a lot of interpretations of this. But again, we stick to our the way we interpret. We interpret it literally. Um, and we reason with ourselves. Some will say this is Christ. Okay, now, Christ is God, and in his deity, he is omnipresent, everywhere at once. But he is also humanity. And in his humanity, he is localized in a body like ours. And where is that body here in Revelation chapter 6? It's in heaven. He's the Lamb who's breaking the seals in heaven. So, if Jesus, if this is Jesus, then Jesus in his human body is both in heaven and on earth simultaneously. That is not possible. Okay? So, it's not Christ. Christ appears in chapter 19. Okay? But, this guy is on a white horse, and he was given a crown, and the crown in the Greek here is Stephanos, which is a victor's crown. It is not diadema, which is the crown of kings. That is what Jesus wears in chapter 19. And notice he had a bow, but he didn't have anything for the bow. He didn't have any arrows. And so, he is conquering without war. He is conquering without war. Now, how do people do that? They can talk well, right? Yeah, we were just speaking of Adolf Hitler. Adolf Hitler was a great orator, wasn't he? He was very, very convincing. What we're looking at here in a stay in Revelation, but I'm going to go to Daniel 9.27. Yeah, this is just a parallel passage. There are three parallel passages of the tribulation. There's one verse in Daniel, Daniel 9.27, which is a single verse covering the tribulation period. There's Matthew 24, which goes over the same period, which Jesus was telling the disciples what was going to just precede his coming. And then the greatest explanation of this is what we're covering now. But Daniel 9.27 says, 
and he will make a firm covenant with the many for one week. But in the middle of the week, he will put a stop to sacrifice and grain offering, and on the wing of abominations will come one who makes desolate, even until a complete destruction, one that is decreed, is poured out on the one who makes desolate. So this refers to making a firm covenant with the many, that would be Israel, unbelieving Israel, as they are now. The national Israel right now is unbelieving in their Messiah. But he, so who is the he? That's the question. So the antecedent to he, so the one referred to is, in verse 26, the prince who is to come and destroy the city. That was Titus of Rome. Okay, and so this is referring not to Titus of Rome, but to one like him, the, the Antichrist. Okay. And the Antichrist is a great orator, and he is very popular. And so he will come conquering peacefully, and he will make a peace treaty with Israel. He will solve Middle East peace. Now, do you think that will make him popular? How long have people been trying to do that? Ever since Israel was reconstituted as a nation, right? 1948. Um, they've been trying to solve peace in the Middle East, and no one has been able to do that. This guy will do that. He will solve peace in the Middle East, and when the Israelites, Israelis, sign this peace treaty, Isaiah says they have made a covenant with Sheol. They have made a covenant with death, okay, or hell. Um, and in, at the beginning, it will be peaceful for Israel, even when the world is at war, because they will have the Antichrist protection. You'll have a peace deal with them. Okay, at first. So that is the uh, the first seal. So you wonder now, is this a judgment from God? It is. <laughs> this is a judgment from God. We know that the Antichrist cannot rise now, don't we? We know that. How do we know that? Does anybody know how we know that? Yeah, it's in Second Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 3 and following. So, um, you know, you hear people speculate about the Antichrist today. You don't listen to them. So Second Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 3, let no one in any way deceive you, for it will not come, and that's referring to the day of the Lord, it will not come unless the apostasy comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction. And so the question is, what does that word apostasy means there? As I was growing up in most of my adult life, I was told that that means a departure from the faith, a spiritual departure. I have come to believe that that means a physical departure of the church. Because apostasy has been with us ever since Eden. You know, people have been apostatizing from the truth ever since man was 
founded, <laughs> created. And, uh, you know, we see terrible apostasy in the church today. But, you know, Andy Woods has written a little booklet. He's the president of Dane's Seminary. And he has uh, several, many reasons about why this passage means a physical departure, which would be the rapture of the church. So unless the apostasy comes first, then the man of lawlessness is revealed the son of destruction. That's the Antichrist. Then going to verse 7, chapter 2 of Second Thessalonians, verse 7. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. So, this little booklet details this too. Who is he who restrains? Satan. There's only one more powerful enough to do it, which is God, the Holy Spirit. God, the Holy Spirit, is the restrainer. And God, the Holy Spirit, indwells who? You and me. Yes, Christians. God, the Holy Spirit, indwells the born-again Christian. You become born again by belief in Jesus. And so one of the Spirit's ministries in the church age is to restrain the rise of the Antichrist. So when we are raptured, that restraint will be taken away. Does that mean the Holy Spirit has gone out of the earth? No, it does not, because the Holy Spirit is God, and he is omnipresent. He is, but his, that ministry will be ended. That ministry will be ended of restraint when the church goes to heaven, and that will allow the Antichrist to rise. See, Satan is not omniscient. He has always had somebody waiting who could be the Antichrist. You know, you can think of Hitler, think of Stalin. I mean, some of our own presidents, I could, think, I could wonder if they might be. But uh, Satan always has somebody waiting who could fill that role. And uh, when we are raptured to heaven, the Holy Spirit will stop holding him back and he will rise. And that will be that first seal opening. And so, yeah, it's a judgment because the amount of deception coming from the Antichrist will be so intense. People won't know which end is up. You see that now. See, just, you know, the news waves filled with lies. And, you know, people teaching false spiritual ideas so that nobody knows what's true except people who stick to God's word. They're the only ones who know what's true. And the, when the Antichrist come, comes, that will be exponential. Deception will be, you know, he will be the good guy. Anybody who believes in Jesus will be enemies of the state and will be hunted down. So, um, that, so that is a judgment from God, this rise of the Antichrist. And then you notice that the, the peacefulness does not last too long, right? So the first seal judgment is the rise of the Antichrist on the scene. And, uh, but we don't have to look for him because as long as we're on the earth, you know that 
if you are living on the earth and people say they're, this guy could be the Antichrist, you say no. Why? Because you're here. <laughs> so if you're here, there will not be an Antichrist. Okay, because he can't come. Because the Bible tells us that. Holy Spirit restrains, the Holy Spirit indwells us. Um, and that is why it says in Jesus, Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. The church will not be defeated. The church will be removed. The church is corrupted and has been since its inception, you know, because that's just what we read about in chapters 2 and 3. Back in the first century, the church had corruption within it. But it won't be defeated. You know, the gates of Hades will not overcome it because the Lord will preserve it. He will build it. He will take in the ones he wants until the end. And then a, it started with a miracle. It will end with a miracle. It started with Pentecost and the onset of tongues. And it will end with a rapture. So then the second seal... Verses 3 and 4, when he, that's Jesus, broke the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, Come. And another, a red horse went out, and to him who sat on it, it was granted to take peace from the earth, and that men would slay one another, and a great sword was given to him. That is war, right? Men would slay one another. So, um, Vicki, could I have you read... Matthew 24, 6 and 7. Yeah, thank you. So you see how closely this parallels? What Jesus told his disciples when they asked him, what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? He gave them what we see here in, in an abbreviated form, the seal judgments. So, um, so he breaks the second seal on earth, War breaks out, and there are multiple wars. You'll hear of wars, multiple, and rumors of wars. Okay? So the, what he brings, he, the Antichrist comes with peace, but it's a false peace. Because the only thing that can bring peace is really reconciliation between man and God. That's the only thing that can bring true peace, and that's what Jesus brings. The Antichrist knows nothing of that. All his peace is by deception and flattery and popularity. So now on page 42, I have an objection to the quarterly, <laughs> which I will point out to you. Page 42, um, it says... This is kind of in the second column there. It says, although these believers may have to endure hardship during this time, the Lord will watch over them and judge them safely through their ordeal. And then it cites uh, chapter 7. Well, in chapter 7, all the people, there are multiple people saved during the tribulation. Many, it's the greatest uh, revival in human history. Most of them are executed because those people in, in chapter 7 are all in heaven. They're dead. <laughs> so when it says the Lord will watch over them and bring them safely through, does that 
how does being killed go with bringing you safely through? You know, it's not. Um, you can be saved in the tribulation period. Many will be. It's better to be saved now. Because the church age believer will be raptured. The tribulation believer will most likely be martyred. You end up in the same place. <laughs> but it's better to be raptured than to be martyred, yes. So that's where I disagree with the quarterly at that point. Okay, so that's the first two sealed judgments. Good stuff. Any questions on that or comments? Okay, so we'll go to section B, the third and fourth seals. I'll read that section. That's verses 5 through 8. When he broke the third seal, I heard the third living creature saying, Come. I looked, and behold, a black horse, and he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard something like a voice in the center of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not damage the oil and the wine. When the lamb broke the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, Come. I looked, and behold, an ashen horse. And he who sat on it had the name Death, and Hades was following with him. Authority was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword and with famine and with pestilence and by the wild beasts of the earth. Okay. I know. It's uh, uh, the day of the Lord will be a rough time to be on, earth, on the earth. So verses 5 and 6 is the third seal is broken. And what we see there is economic collapse. That's what we see there. And it's exemplified there by a black horse. He who sat on it had a pair of scales. So, you know, they use scales to weigh money to buy things, to purchase things. And then uh, John heard a voice in the center of the four living creatures say, a quart of wheat for a denarius and three quarts of barley for a denarius. And so um, in Charles Ryrie's uh, study Bible, he has a commentary on this. and says, this, this is inflation, is what this is. It's hyperinflation. Okay. And the... The, you know, a quart of wheat for a denarius, that's a little higher quality grain. And three quarts of barley for a denarius, which is a little lower quality grain. Um, that is about purchasing one-tenth of the purchasing power of what it would normally be. So that would be like the Great Depression. You know, in uh, the Great Depression, the stock market fell to one-tenth of its value. And um, so in this time, we will have another Great Depression, that type of economic collapse, you know, where people were starving and that sort of thing. Um, but then it also says, do not damage the oil and the wine. 
and you know they're it, it's developing right now but there will be a two-tiered system in society because what is developing now with a globalist system is worldwide communism okay that that is what is trying to be put into place and you know let's be frank about it we have communists running our federal government they're communists um and uh, in communism, whenever communism develops in a country, there are always two tiers. There are the party elite who are wealthy. They are wealthy. And then there's everybody else who are in grinding poverty. That's what will develop worldwide under the Antichrist. Worldwide global communism. Um, it will be t uh, tyranny. And if you don't follow the party line, well, we'll see in the next seal judgment what happens if you don't follow the party line. Um, right now, I, I heard an article report just yesterday um, that they want people in China to revere the leader, President Xi. So they're going back to this, you know, like they have in North Korea, where they worship the leader. They're going back to that in China. You know, they did that with Mao. That's what Mao, you know, he was to be worshipped. And they're doing that with Qi now. So that's how it will be worldwide in that time. And, you know, the, the like our Federal Reserve, our financial, our Treasury Secretary, they're crazy right now. They're totally crazy, and they're, they're driving an economic collapse. <laughs> and yeah, you know the United States has to be uh, brought down a notch for this global government to to come to power. You know, everybody has to be leveled. The United States is too powerful, and our current federal government is on board with lowering it down. What they're doing is intentional. You know, I mean they can't be that inept to, to destroy things the way they are. It's intentional. They're intentionally doing this. That's part of erasing the border because they don't want borders. They want globalism, you know, and uh, it's part of their monetary management. It's to make room for the global order. That, that is what is going on, and they are totally on board with it. So pray for them. We need to pray that some of them would be saved. So then, so we have the first three sealed judgments are the rise of the Antichrist, war breaking out in all sorts of places, and economic collapse with famine. So what happens when people are starving and they're killing each other in war and things like that? You get the fourth seal. So Jesus opens the fourth seal. When the Lamb broke the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the four living creatures saying, Come, and I looked, and behold, an ashen horse. So it's kind of like a pale green, you know, kind of like a, something that's molding. <laughs> Pukey, yeah. And he who sat on it had the name Death, and Hades was following with him. Now, what is Hades? Hades? Yeah, Hades is the intermediate resting place for the unsaved dead. 
for the souls of the dead, Hades. So, you know, that the souls of the believing go into the presence of the Lord, so they will be in heaven. But the souls of the dead who are unsaved are in Hades, and they rest there t tormented until they're resurrected to be tormented later. So that's what this uh, horse is. It's a scary horse. And it says, authority was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill. And then with the four different methods of killing. So I looked up online the, the estimated population of the earth right now. It is 8 billion. Which is amazing because I have a uh, commentary. The one, a commentary I've been using mostly is by John Walvoord, and it was published in 85, 1985, and he quotes 4 billion. So from 1985 to now, the population of the earth has doubled. That's amazing. Well, what is a quarter of 8 billion? Two billion. So that means if it happened now, which it won't, so there'll probably be more people when this does happen, two billion would die with this judgment. Two billion would die. Okay, and they are killed by the sword, usually the wars, the famine, so people starving to death, with pestilence, you know, when people are starving and they're in war, disease takes hold. Right. And this, the last one is interesting, and by the wild beasts of the earth. That is interesting. Now, what I think that is talking about, God did something right after the flood to protect us. And Dane taught us about this. So I'm testing your memory. Do you remember that in relation to the other, the wild animals when they came off the ark? This is from Genesis chapter 9 and verse 2. Uh, God speaking to Noah, speaking to Noah, he says, The fear of you and the terror of you will be on every beast of the earth and on every bird of the sky, with everything that creeps on the ground and all the fish of the sea. Into your hand they are giving. They are given. And that's when he said, Every moving thing that is alive shall be food for you. I give all to you as I gave the green plant. So that was when the Lord made man carnivorous. Okay. Before that, they were people were herbivorous. They only ate plants and fruits and things like that in the garden. Here, after the flood, he says you can eat meat. Okay. And also, he put the terror of man into animals. That's why they don't come and kill us all the time. I think he removes that in the tribulation period. The wild animals are no longer afraid of us. And wild animals are, in general, stronger than we are and more dangerous. And so that's what I think that is referring to. Because, um, you know, the animals will come around and kill you. They'll say, oh, that looks tasty. Yeah, so imagine then if all over the, all these wild animals are not afraid of man anymore. And they would be just fair game. So that's what I think is, that, that I think that's why that says that in that time. 
Okay, so that's the third and fourth seals. Yeah, it's like you can't catch a break here. <laughs> you cannot catch a break. And this is just four judgments out of 21. Okay, so section C is the fifth seal. Somebody want to read that part? That's verses 9 through 11. Okay, thank you, ma'am. Okay, so this is the fifth seal, and yeah, so verse 9, the Lamb, Lord Jesus, broke the fifth seal. You saw underneath the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and because of the testimony which they had maintained. So these are martyrs. These are those who had been slain because of their testimony in Jesus. Okay. So the question is, who are these? Are they church-age believers? Everybody knows that the answer to that one, right? Are they church-age believers? Are these church-age believers under the altar? No. No, no, no. I want you to know this. I want you to know this. You will not see the church in here. If I answer, if I ask you that question, it's, it's a trick. <laughs> I'm trying to trick you because I want you to be sure that you will not experience this. You will not experience this. These are those people who had the gospel witness to them and they refused to believe. And then the rapture happened. And then they're like, oh, wow. And then they believed. And they're in the tribulation now. Not all of them would be, will be killed, but most of them will. They will be killed. So um, that is why it's important for people to believe before the rapture. If they don't want to go through all this horror, you know. So um, these are tribulation martyrs. Okay, so the, you are not uh, subject to this. And just one verse that tells us why we are not subject to this is First Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 10. It tells of the Thessalonians, you turned to God from idols to serve a living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven. That's what we're doing. We're waiting. We're waiting for his son, Jesus, from heaven. Whom he raised from the dead, that is Jesus, who rescues us from the wrath to come. The rapture, it's many things, but one of the things it is is a rescue of the church. It's a rescue just as Noah getting into the ark and his family was their rescue from the flood. It's exactly analogous. You know, they were the faithful on the earth before the judgment came. God said, get into the ark. They did, and they survived. In the church, the Lord says, get into me. We want to be in him. And if we are, then we're, it's like on the ark. When the tribulation comes, we are removed and saved from it. So the church-age believer will not go through these things. 
And also in Revelation 4 and 5, which we looked at, you know, the last couple of weeks, um, we made the argument that the church is represented in heaven by the elders that are the, on the 24 thrones. You know, the 24 is representative. It's representative of the entire church. They're all clothed in white robes. They are uh, rewarded with their crowns. They have their crowns. They're enthroned there uh, with the Lord, you know, which is going to be our place. We will be co-rulers with Christ under him, you know, under his authority. So this, um, so anyway, I just want to encourage people because this is frightening stuff. <laughs> this is frightening stuff. And I want you to know, if you believe in Jesus, this is not for you. This is not for you. This is for those who refuse to believe. They refuse to believe. So, and listen to what they say. Verse 10, they cried out with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, will you refrain from judging and avenging our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Yeah, there's a lot about earth dwellers in the Revelation. When you see those who dwell on the earth, the earth dwellers, those are the unbelieving on the earth. They're, the earth dwellers are kind of a phrase for the unbelieving in Revelation. So they call for justice. Is this wrong to call for justice? Remember Larry Johnson? Larry Johnson used to come here. Okay, it, it's okay, it's okay. But anyway, Larry would come in and he'd always say, forgive them, Lord, for they know not what they do. That's what he would say all the time. Now, is that what they're saying here? How long, O Lord, holy and true, will you refrain from judging and avenging our blood? That is not what they're saying. They're not saying, forgive them now, Lord. Why? Because there is a time for forgiveness and there's a time for judgment. And they have had, these earth dwellers, a long time where the gospel has been presented, you know. And they have killed all the believers, all these believers. So this is not wrong. What, and because they did not take vengeance themselves, right? In Romans uh, chapter 12, it says, Brethren, do not take your vengeance yourself. This is my paraphrase because I didn't look it up. You know, but leave room for the wrath of God. Because he says, vengeance is mine says the Lord, I will repay. And so they are asking the Lord to do that, <laughs> to carry out his vengeance. And does the Lord tell them no? No, he does not tell them no. He says, I will. It's not time yet. Yeah, he says, I will do it. I'm not ignoring you. But um, it's not time yet. And he says, there was given to each of them a white robe, and a white robe symbolizes the righteousness that is foreign to us, that is transferred to us when we believe in Jesus. His righteousness is transferred to us, and it's depicted as a white robe. And they were told they should rest for a little while longer, so they're, they're resting now. They're comfortable. They're not hurting they're not tormented. So they're resting. 
until the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who were to be killed, even as they had been, would be completed. So the Lord will carry out their request when the all of the tribulation martyrs are dead, when they, that number is complete. He will carry out their request. So, um, and this is what happens to believers in the tribulation period, for the most part. We know that it doesn't happen to all because only believers will enter into the millennium in natural bodies like we have. There will be no unbelievers because they will all be purged at the end of the tribulation. Jesus will execute them. Any unbelieving who are still living he will be executed by Jesus. So we know that some will go in, but the majority of believers in the tribulation period will be martyred. So now there's an interesting thing. There's two uh, commentators. One is John Walvoord and another is Dwight Pentecost. They're both at Dallas. They're both passed away now. Who postulate that in the intermediate state, so between your death and your resurrection into your eternal body, they postulate that you're giving given a temporary body while you're in heaven. I don't know if that's true. It's an interesting thing to think about. But the reason they say that is because that these uh, people, these souls under the altar, were given a white robe. A white robe. A soul doesn't need a robe. A spirit doesn't need a robe. A body needs a robe. Yeah. That and also in Luke 16 is another um, place where it makes them think that. Remember Luke 16, Jesus told the story of the rich man and Lazarus. And... Uh, the poor man's name was Lazarus, and he had a horrible life and was he was begging. He had sores. Dogs were licking his sores. You know, it was terrible. And uh, and then both he and the rich man died. So this is the rich man speaking. Luke 16, verse 23, in Hades. Okay, Hades. So that's what we just read about in Seal 4. Hades is the place of the unregenerate dead while they're waiting for resurrection. In Hades he lifted up his eyes, being in torment. So he was torment. It's talking about his eyes. And saw Abraham far away and Lazarus in his bosom, and he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus so that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool off my tongue, for I am in agony in this flame. Agony. Agony, yeah, yeah. So it talks about his finger, it talks about cooling his tongue and things like that. So they believe because of those things that perhaps the Lord will give us temporary bodies. I don't know. It's an interesting thought, though. <laughs> it's an interesting thought. Okay, and it says here, let me go to, this is Second Corinthians 5. 1 through 4. This is about the temporary body. For we know that if the earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, 
We have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. He's speaking of the body. For indeed, in this house we groan, longing to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven, inasmuch as we, having put it on, will not be found naked. For indeed, while we are in this tent, we groan, being burdened, because we do not want to be unclothed, that means removed from our body, but to be clothed so that what is mortal will be swallowed up by life. So, you know, that sounds to me like there's just two, you know, this body and the resurrection body. So I, all that is to say that I'm not sure about that. So let me just read to you the sixth seal. That's 12 through 17, section D. I looked when he broke the sixth seal, and there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black, as sackcloth made of hair, and the whole moon became like blood, and the stars of the sky fell to the earth as a fig tree casts its unripe figs when shaken by a great wind. The sky was split apart like a scroll when it is rolled up, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. Then the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the commanders, and the rich, and the strong, and every slave, and every and free man hid themselves in the rocks, no, in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. And they said to the mountains and to the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the presence of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who is able to stand? So finally, after all this, the unbelieving begin to recognize this is God doing this. All this time they haven't noticed that this is God doing this. Finally, when there's earthquakes, when there's things happening in the sky, the sky, you know, I don't even know what it is going to look like. To the sky split apart like a scroll and rolled up. What is that going to look like? I have no idea. But everybody is going to run and hide. And they'd rather have the rocks fall on them than see God. They're more afraid of him, which they should be, than, and they'd rather have the rocks fall on them. So it's a great earthquake. There'll be cosmic disturbances. Now, this thing appears to happen twice. Here, because this, in the Matthew 24 passage, Jesus calls these seal judgments the birth pangs. These are the birth pangs. They will get more frequent and more intense as time goes, as intense as these are, these this is the birth pangs. They get more intense as time goes on and more frequent. So, and that, you know, the, what the unbelievers are doing is the same thing that we do now. Men do not come to the light because the light exposes their sin and they know their deeds are evil. Jesus said that in John 3, 19 and 20. So the unbeliever's response here is fear and awe. This is early in the tribulation. Now, as you'll notice, we will notice as we go through here, that people get more hardened as the time goes on, so that at the end of the tribulation, they're not afraid. They want to go to war with God. Yeah. Because they get so hardened that their mind becomes attuned totally to Satan's. So, I'd rather be here. 
afraid of God, maybe some of these will turn to him and be saved, you know. Uh, but if, and that is true today, you know, people hear the gospel. So basically for online people, the gospel is Jesus died for your sins. He was buried. He rose again. If you believe in that, he promises you eternal life. That's the gospel. And it comes just by belief in him. If you hear that and you ignore it and you reject it and you continue to do that, it will harden you and it will become more difficult for you to believe. And eventually the Lord will confirm your choice. You don't want that because then you'll face stuff like this <laughs> and worse. So anyway, Lord, we thank you for your warning of this great day of the Lord to come. And we pray it will motivate us to uh, warn people that today is the day of salvation. In Jesus' name, amen.